just before I preach, I, I want to just, I had, a, I had a fantastic day yesterday. Um, I went to spend, um, I went down to Leicester, which is really where I was at Bible school and all those kind of things many years ago. Many, many, many connections there. I went to a leader's day uh, with the network that I used to be part of many years ago. And uh, one of my mentors, who's now in his late 70s, was speaking. And it did me the world of good. Just did me so good. Just to encourage you guys, we are on an adventure. We're on an adventure. You know, give your life. Whatever age and stage you are, give him your all. And you'd be amazed what he'll do with you. The guy who spoke, as I say, he's nearly his 70s, been amazing. You heard of Brother Andrew, missionary in Eastern Europe? He worked with all those people back in the day. God did amazing things. Just quickly, I'll tell you about him. He was a top footballer in Wales. Not Brother Andrew, yeah. My mentor. And um, when he was 17 years of age, he played for Wales. He, told, he said yesterday, he said, when I was 17, he said, I played for Wales against England at Villa Park. And he said, we got beat by England. And he said, I was really despondent. And he said, all I ever wanted to do as a teenager growing up in the valleys of South Wales was to be a professional footballer. And he said, I sat in this boardroom at Villa Park after the game. On my own, he said. And this voice, the Holy Spirit. How many people know the Holy Spirit speaks to you inside? He says, this sense of the Spirit inside said, are you going to give your life for this? Are you going to come on an adventure with me? And that was on a Saturday in, in Villa Park in Birmingham. He said the following Monday, he was 17, he'd gone back to school, came home from school at night, and he met someone in the village and said, you better hurry home. There's some men at your house who want to speak to you. So we got to his home, and he said it was, they lived in a terraced house, quite poor. He said they had a parlour. People remember the parlour. He said, the parlour was only for special people and special days. He said, and I walked in, he said, my dad was smoking a cigar. Well, this is odd. He said, there were two men sat in the parlour smoking cigars. He said, I went into the room. And these two men were from a very, very well-known football club. And they said, we've been, we watched you on Saturday at Villa Park. And we've been watching you for a while. And we'd like you to sign papers now become a professional footballer. The voice inside, what are you going to do? He said, he said, I, I said, I can't sign. Because I'm going to be a minister of the gospel. And he said it was like suspended animation. He said, the cigar smoke almost stopped. He said, my dad just signed the papers, son. He said, I can't do it, Dad. He said, and my mum called me out of the room and said, quick, go to the park and don't come back till it's dark. He said, I did. He said, he said it caused a rift in the family, his family. But he said, they then started the journey, an adventure. That was his path. But the thing is, what is God going to do with your life? You're not here on this earth by chance. You're not in this house by chance, this family. What we want to see in the family of God here. God wants to use you. He wants to take you out to meet people, see people saved, healed, restored.
It's for the church. So anyway, I was so encouraged, and I wanted to tell you that story, you know, and encourage you, whatever age you are, whatever place you find yourself, live for God, and expect every day to be an adventure in Him. So if you're looking at the screen, um, we're in Ephesians still, and this morning I want to talk on off with the old and on with the new. Sounds ominous, doesn't it? Off with the old and on with the new. And again, on the back of that story, really, it's to encourage us as Christians. Because how many Christians live life under, under really the expectation of God for them? We all do. And we get battered in the week by circumstance. And we kind of crumble as we go through the week. And we feel kind of, if we've let the Lord down, we feel down. And we just about make it on a Sunday and the worship starts and we think, well, yeah, yeah. And just towards the end of the meeting, we might be falling out a bit and feeling a bit better about ourselves. And really, we can live almost like with the ball and chain of the past around our legs. But I want to encourage you this morning. So I've been prayed out and said that God's pleased with you. If you're a Christian, you have the favour of God on your life. You really do. Cedric and I often talk about a scripture, we have done several times in Hebrews, that said, by one sacrifice, one sacrifice, Jesus made perfect for all time those who are being made holy. <coughs> Better be careful because I'll preach on that in a minute. But you have been made perfect. For all time. Do you realize that's amazing news? It's gone quiet. It's true. Do you believe that? Well, I'm perfect before God. Yes, you are. But you're also in a process of being made more holy every day. And the Christian life's a walk of repentance. It's a walk of faith. But sometimes we can lose sight of that. And we can put our Bible down and close it and think, well, I... It doesn't work for me. Has anyone else done that? It doesn't work for me. I want to tell you, it works for you. God works in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. You see, we're not trying to, be be we're not trying to make ourselves good before God and make ourselves better. Because when you become a Christian... The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, God himself, the God the Spirit, comes to reside inside of you. So as you walk through life, you'll know, you hear his voice. Maybe you did something this week and you heard a voice going, don't do it. You see, in the Old Testament, the law was on the wall and you kept it. In the New Covenant, the law is in your heart. Why would you want to sin? And when we do sin, we, we have an advocate. We can come to him and say, Lord, I've sinned. I'm sorry. I want to move on. But I want to encourage you. Don't live in the old. So anyway, let's get into the word. It's early. It's early, Terry. 25 past 11. Lock the door. Right, okay. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, 
I'm not going to have the scriptures on, on here because I'm reading from a different translation at this point. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But if you've got a phone and you want to follow along, it's the New Living Translation. And we're in Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 32. Okay. There we go. With the Lord's authority... Paul says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. For they are hopelessly confused. When it says Gentiles, it means non-believers, okay? They are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and harden their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure, and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Can you see that round about you today? But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, listen to this, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. This is great, isn't it? What? This, this truth. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Father, we want to thank you for your word. I just pray, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you come now and will you apply these words, this word of truth to our hearts. Lord, I pray, thank you for every person in this room. Lord, I want to thank you. They are precious, 
precious to you. I pray this morning that you'll open the eyes of our heart to see your truth this morning. Lord, that people will be, even as they hear the word this morning, people will be set free in the mind. People will be set free in the heart. Lord, that people will awaken to the purpose of God. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place this morning. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're building. Thank you that you are knitting together families and lives. Oh Lord, let there be love in this house. Let there be truth in this house. And let there be your presence in this house, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we've been going through Ephesians. We're getting to uh, the end of Ephesians 4. And now Paul is getting intensely practical. He spent any of Paul's writings, if you read them, the first couple of chapters. And remember, the chapters in the Bible only came in 1500. They only came in the verses and the numbers. Only came in 1500, right? So originally, these were letters. And the first part of Paul's writing, he's always saying who you are in Christ. Wonderful blessings, who God's made you to be. So you can read that and meditate on it. It will do you good. And then what we tend to do, we're doers. Is anyone else a doer in here? So sometimes we don't always want to think about the other stuff. We want to get on with it. And we want to get on to the practical stuff. But here we are in the middle of what it means to be a practical Christian. And Ephesus, we said the other week, it's just like us today. The context of this letter speaks right into the 21st century. Because it was an amazing city of the time. It was a very prosperous city. There was a lot of business going on. It was a port and stuff went through land and out to sea from there all over the world. It was a prosperous place. But also like most prosperous cities, have you ever noticed in the prosperous places there's also amazing poverty. So there's a lot of poor people. There's a lot of slavery. A lot of people who were down at heel. So there's poverty, prosperity. This is not a big word. Polytheistic. What the heck's that? Well, poly means many. Theistic, gods. Many gods. There were many gods in that culture. Very Greek. Greek. Greeks were into all sorts. Right? Just like us today. The gods of sport. The gods of money. The gods of ambition and houses and trying to make yourself great in this life. Same thing. Many, many gods today. They're just not idols, are they? You know, you go to India. We had a great night the other night with Justin and Charlotte talking about India. If you came, wasn't it a blessing? I just want to encourage you. We, we took an offering up for them. Just on the hop, really, to, bl- to bless them. And on the night, I think there's other money coming afterwards. Do you know how much we raised? £215. To, just to bless them. But when they're in India, they will tell you about little shrines everywhere. Well, there's not many of them in West Orton. But the shrine is the, is the car. The shrine is the house. The holiday. There are, there's nothing wrong with those things. It's when they've got you. So that there was many gods in Ephesus. And also, guess what? It was extremely promiscuous. Anything went. Isn't that like our culture today? And all of a sudden, this community of God emerged. 
a wonderful church planted and nurtured by the Apostle Paul. A community that lived with different values. That served the one living, true God. That was a community of the Spirit. That's what we want to be here. We want to be a people of the Spirit. People of the Word. A community of love, but a people who are holy unto God. Not living like the culture. I was disgusted this week by the Church of England. I'm going to say it. It's an apostate organisation when it wants to change the gender of Almighty God. Who do they think they are? Now, I'm not condemning the people in that church. There are many wonderful people and there are many wonderful Anglican churches. But a system that wants to change that and wants to change marriage and isn't bothered, that's lining in line with the culture. This world. We're not called to that, folks. We're called to be a distinct people. And there's going to come a day when the church, us, are going to have to stand up and say, No! That's wrong! And it might cost us. But are you prepared for that? In this city, read about it in Acts 19. Read about how there was a riot when idols were destroyed. Ephesus saw some interesting things. But there's going to come a day when we're going to have to stand for truth. If it's here. But you know, many people out there are confused. You know what it said there? How they're confused in the mind? Because where's truth today? Where is truth? So this morning, I have three main points to speak to you about. And they are the new mind, the new mouth, and the new motivation. The new mind. God wants to give you a different way of thinking. The new mouth. How, are you going to, how would you speak? What comes out of here? And what is your motivation for life? We'll look in these verses this morning at these three points. Now, this book of Ephesians, the next book along by two is Colossians. Sorry, three. And it's, there's a very similar passage in Colossians. It's almost like a parallel book. Just listen to what I'm going to read. I'm going to read you Ephesians 3 just to contextualise what we've read already. And it's a very similar thing. If you then have been raised with Christ, do you believe this morning you've been raised with Christ? Yeah? I think there's three people raised with Christ. The rest aren't, but no. Have you been raised with Christ? If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seat at the right hand of God. Listen to this. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you died. What? I'm still breathing. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Does anyone else in here have earthly tendencies? No? Yeah, is it just me? The earthly in you. Put to death the earthly in you. 
What's the earthly in us? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, you don't hear about much about this today in the churches. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. What? I thought God was just okay with everyone. He's a God of love, isn't he? Yes, he is. He loves you intensely. But he's also a God of righteousness and a God of justice. And he, one day, if people reject him, they will suffer the wrath of God. It's there in the print, folks. In these things you too once walked. You once walked in them when you were living in them. But now, now you're a Christian, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to each other, seeing you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. Do you get that? It's being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. He goes on to say, it doesn't matter. There's no Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian. Any barbarians in this morning? Barbarian, scythen, slave, free, whether you're a slave or you're free, but Christ is all and in all. So put on these new things. Compassionate hearts. It says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord's forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And he goes on. Do you see the similarity of Ephesians? It's a very similar passage. But what does it mean to have a new mind? Does anyone else struggle with their thoughts? Yeah? Oh man, anxious thoughts. Lustful thoughts, thoughts of anger, they're all there. They're all in us, you see, because you still have a body of flesh. And you only have to be on the Christian... Some people get convinced, well, I thought I'm new. Yes, you are. But it's a bit like passing your driving test. Anyone remember the first, when you first passed your driving test? Anyone remember it? Did you pass first time or second like the best people like me? I remember. My dad had a Renault 12. Anyone remember Renault 12s? Man, that was a clergy car if ever there was one. It just looks, I tried to make it go fast, but it just looked boring. It was boring. Thank you, Terry. But the first night I passed my test, I said, can I take the car, dad? I remember driving to Bursco to see my friends and I killed a rabbit first night. <laughs> Splat. The car was red so it didn't matter. But, don't get upset by the rabbit, but the point being is I'd passed my driving test but I was not the best driver in the world. You see, when you pass your driving test you've reached the standard. Now when you become a Christian it's not that you've reached the standard. Jesus has put his standard upon you. His righteousness. 
But then you drive through your Christian life, occasionally banging into walls and occasionally banging into other cars. Ooh. And denting yourself. And all those kind of... Can you relate to how that is a little bit like the Christian life? You're a driver. You're in. But you've got a journey. And I'm, I still make mistakes driving. You said about that. But the thing is, the mind controls a lot of what we do. The Bible has a lot to say about the mind. The mind... I will say this, the mind outside of, the mind or life outside of Christ has no ultimate meaning. There's no meaning outside of Him. You can really study. There are theologians who study this book. The languages, they know all about it. But have they got the life of God in them? See, the mind outside of a relationship with God, it isn't renewed. We're called, in the Bible, to renew our minds. Really, salvation is one word we use. It sounds a bit new agey, this. It's not new agey. It's the truth. Do you hear the word holistic? It sounds a bit spooky, mystical, doesn't it? Holistic isn't spooky or spooky. It means the whole of you. Your body, soul, and spirit. You... you the whole of you is being changed. Now this flesh eventually will fall off. But your soul and your spirit, very important in your walk with God, what you do with them. You know, in, in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul actually changes the order. He says, your whole spirit, soul and body. You see, your spirit is the bit you communicate with God. It's that voice inside of you. When you do something that's not right, you hear the voice. Or every now and then, God will encourage you inside. You'll know. That's the voice of God in you. You can't hear him. But many Christians live in the soul, the mind, their mind, their thoughts, their anxious thoughts are bigger than their spirit. Does that make sense? So the spirit's pushed down at the bottom. And our body and our soul dominate our life. That is not how it's to be. As Christians, we are spirit Soul, body. If your spirit is leading your life, you'll think clean and you'll live clean. If you allow the soul to dominate your life, it'll tend to take you in all sorts of bypaths off the main road to Christ. So it's a holistic salvation. You know, the Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. Did you know that? You have God's... What does that mean? I've got the mind of Christ. Well, it means that you can think God's ways. See, out there, people who don't know Christ, I keep pointing at the door, maybe in here, but if you don't know Christ, you can't think Christ's ways because you haven't got his mind. He isn't living in you. But he wants to live in you and he wants to direct your path. He wants to lead you. People out there can't understand the things of God. It says they're hostile. They're hostile to it. They don't understand it. But we must be renewed in our mind. Have you ever heard a, a scripture from Proverbs that says, as a man or woman thinks, 
within themselves. So they are. That's a very powerful scripture from Proverbs. As you think within yourself. See, if you think you're a failure and you keep saying that to yourself, guess what? But if you start to think in line with the truth of the Bible, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That I'm going through a trial right now. But God's told me in his word that all things in my life will ultimately work together for good. Because I'm loved by God and I'm called. And when you begin to speak the word of God to yourself and you begin to realize and read this word as it's a letter to you, it will change the way you think. Just turn up well-known scripture. Romans 12, just turn it up please folks. And you can see it in the print yourself. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. Very well-known scripture. But you might be thinking this morning, when I was a teenager, I was always trying to find, what is God's will for my life? Has anyone ever asked that question? How do, you find, how do I find the will of God? How do I find it? And it used to be a mystery to me. Romans 12. Listen to this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. This is giving your life to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice. Now that doesn't mean a sacrifice where you're paying for your sin. That means live for God as number one in your life. Holy and acceptable, a living sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. See, when we worship, it's not 20 minutes on a Sunday. We're singing, we sing, and it's great to worship and sing and sing truth. But life is worship. Your life is worship. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world. But let God, what does it say next? Transform you. Can you say that? Transform. Say that word. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, you will learn to know what God's will is for you. What his good, perfect and pleasing will is. You know, living wholeheartedly for God. Letting God's word change the way you think. You can't help but walk in the will of God. If you're not doing that, guess what? You can be out of the will of God for your life. He'll look after you, he'll bring you back. But it's perfect will. Live wholeheartedly. Think God's way. Let his word transform you. And you, you can't help. You'll be in the bullseye of God's purpose. You could think, why? How did I end up in West Horton? I'm not being funny. I, 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 I asked myself, I realise by, by serving God and saying, Lord, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. Here I am. And I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. God's will, the best place you can live. But it's a life given to him. 
You know the gospel, salvation, cost you nothing. Paid in full. But the Christian life cost you everything you've got. Do you see what I mean? It's not, you're paying for your salvation, but it's, it's a different life. It's a life given over, changing the way you think. You need a new mind. A new mind. Famous scripture. How do I maintain this new mind? How do I keep it going? 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 says, does anyone know that off the top of that? It's a famous scripture. Take every, every thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ. Now then, how many have had evil thoughts or horrible thoughts this week? They come in. Now then, what do you do with them? The trouble is you tend to, quite often we mull over them. And another thought leads to something else. And, we, oh yeah. and then we start to create our own narrative in a situation. We, we build a picture. Before we know where we are, we're discouraged, depressed, and think everything else in between. You've got to take your thoughts captive. You've got to be ruthless with this, guys. In my former career, working for the Queen, we used to have these things that I called the bracelets. Can you imagine what they are? And I once, I, I once spoke on this, and I brought them with me. And I said, it's almost like a thought comes into your... Because sometimes I'd be in a situation in my former career that could go a bit pear-shaped. And when it was about to go pear-shaped, before anyone could do anything... I was in with the bracelets because I didn't want anyone to sort of kick off. And when you've got these on, if we go, whoa, 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 what are you doing? It's a little bit like a thought. You've got to get the handcuffs on it. As soon as it emerges, make a choice in your mind. Take the thought captive. Does it line up with God's word? If you're getting thoughts that are discouraging, depressing, and making you feel awful, guess what? They're not from God. Take your thoughts, get, get sexual thoughts. And it's not just blokes. Women as well. Stop it. Think. Paul says in Philippians, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is kind, whatever, all those things. Think on those things. You can change, you know, you can change in this area and you'll grow as you do it. It says as well, when you think on the good things, guess what? The peace of God will dwell in your hearts. Because if you think the wrong things, you won't have the peace of God. Charles Swindle, great Christian author, wrote an amazing little paragraph which I've never forgotten. He said this, Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a lifestyle. Sow a lifestyle, reap a destiny. It starts with a thought and ultimately leads to a destiny. Good or bad. Change the way you think. Paul says in Ephesus, in Ephesians, change the way you think. You've got the new mind. Throw off the old thoughts. Fascinating truth. 
Second thing, the new mouth. Oh, just on the, on the mind thing, let me just say this. The battle for the mind never stops. You don't we'll get to a certain standard and think, oh, that's over now. You'll be fighting thoughts all your life. But you know, in Ephesians, a bit further on, we'll be reading in a few weeks, we've got the armour of God. Have read about the armour of God. The helmet protects your head, your mind. We'll go into that another time, but you're in a battle in that for life, I'm afraid. But be transformed by the word. The new mouth, put away falsehood in verse 25 of Ephesians 4. Speak the truth to one another. Oh, do not let any corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion so that it may give grace to those who hear. And don't grieve the spirit 